Uh, if you would have told me 10 years ago, God has a plan for my life, I would have said thank you very much and kept walking. The first time I walked into a Christian church and saw people that were smiling and were carrying Bibles, I was confused because that's not what I knew. The priest was the guy with the Bible and he read to you from it. You didn't read it on your own. The Christ I knew growing up as a child was not the Christ that I know about now. The Christ I know about now is love. That's it, love, end of story. There's no and this, and this, and this. To get his love, it is just Jesus loves. He's more than enough. I believe that because of who I was before being baptized and who I am now. I went from the mess I was as, you know, a punk skin scooter boy, whatever you want to call that, and now I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a follower of Christ, and then I took the next big leap. In my walk, I kind of lost my passion and my following in my teens, so in my mind, it was logical to just get involved with our youth group and work with the high school guys. And I'm honest with them. They know they can come to me. And if I save one kid from the life I went through, I mean, it's, it's, it's worth my life. Well, I appreciate John sharing this story. You know, John is a picture of a couple pictures in the book of Jonah. Uh, first of all, he's a picture of God's amazing grace, a God of second chance. And you're looking at a second chance, John, you know, the, a, a God that changed his life. And, uh, of course, he's also a picture of what we had been talking about, Nineveh. I mean, Nineveh was this, uh, you know, horrible, anti-God, hated Jesus, and, and, and John would tell you that before Christ, he was so far from God. And uh, it's incredible um, that the, the turnaround and the life change that only God can do. And, uh, and so, uh, John, I thank you for sharing your story. And uh, he's somewhere around here. And uh, there he is. Okay, there he is. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. And, and, and this is it. This is what Jonah's all about. And, uh, and we, we see... Jonah, it's not, about, it's not about him. It's not about the guy Jonah. It's not about a fish. It's not about Nineveh. It's ultimately, the story of Jonah, the book of Jonah, is all about a God who loves us unconditionally, like John talked about. Unconditional love. Who gives second chances, third chances, 100 chances. And we're going to get to see that today a little bit. And um, how many of you remember, maybe you're with me, but maybe when you watched uh, a certain television series, there was a couple that I really enjoyed. And, uh, and when I dive into chapter four, it kind of takes me back to a couple of these episodes, a couple of these TV shows 
that gone very good, that tells a great story. But the final episode, that last finale of the show, bombed. How many of you know some of these shows? I'm thinking like Seinfeld. I got, you know, some of you know who's, you know, Seinfeld. You know, great classic comedy. And then the last show, it's kind of like, they're all thrown in prison, thrown in jail, and they're kind of like, oh, okay. You know, that's how it ends. There was another show about 10 years ago. Man, I was into it. I had it, you know, I, we didn't have DVR, but we, we had it set on a timer on my VCR. We watched Lost. How many of you remember Lost, okay? I mean, you know, it got all these questions about the plane that crashed in the middle of nowhere on an island, and, 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 and all these stories, all these uh, um, questions that kept bringing out in the show. And so you're, you're getting to the last episode. You're really getting to the last season. And you're thinking, okay, at some point, they've got to wrap this up and put a bow on top. And it felt like they dropped the ball on that one, right? You know, you get to the final episode and you, you leave. If you were like me, you were like, I wasted seven, eight years of my life to watch Lost. And, and still, I've got more questions than answers. Right? It, it just kind of bombed. It kind of bombed. You know, it didn't end well like you thought it was going to end. It reminds me of the story of a little girl that came home from school. She was so excited because she just learned the story at school, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And so she was telling her mom the story and kind of telling her all what happened of the story. And she got, she got down to the part where the prince kisses Snow White. And Snow White wakes up from that deep sleep, and the little girl said, Mom, you know what happened next? And the, and the mom said, well, yeah, they live happily ever after. And the little girl said, no, 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 mom, they got married. <laughs> Didn't end like she thought it was going to end. We all wish that every story has a happy ending, don't we? I wish the story of Jonah had ended at the end of the third chapter. Remember, the third chapter, people getting saved, the city turned upside down for Jesus. God decided not to come down on his punishment, on the wrath of the city. And, and that's how it ends. In Jonah chapter number 3, we see the greatest revival that is found in the Bible and perhaps in history, chapter 3. And if the story of Jonah had stopped there, it stopped right at the end of chapter 3, we would see everybody winning, hashtag winning. I mean, you would have seen the entire city spared from destruction. Jonah wins the Nobel Peace Prize, right? You, you, you see God who is glorified through the obedience of a prophet and salvation of a city. It would have been a wonderful ending of a story. But in chapter 4, in the beginning of chapter 4, we read in that very first verse, one word, and let's set the tone for the whole chapter. Look at Jonah chapter 4. Look at verse number 1. Look at that very first word. But, 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 and we know enough about Mr. Jonah to know that that word is not good. It's not good. It's a sad ending to what should have been an amazing, incredible story. However, in chapter 4, 
It teaches one of the greatest lessons that you and I will ever learn about God, about ourselves. We're also going to learn about what really matters. And that's what the message is today, what really matters. Here's the, here's the, key, the key takeaway of this chapter. In, in fact, this might be the key takeaway of the entire book. If you're taking notes, what really matters most to God is people. What really matters most to God is people. Now, Jonah, he never understood this. He never got it. And sadly, many times, the church doesn't get it either. What really matters most to God is what really should matter to us. Until we see God for who he is, and we see people the way God sees them, we will never understand what really matters. Because once we do, once we get it, then three things will be true of us. So how do you know if you care about what matters to God? How do you know if what you care about lines up with what God cares about? What God cares most about? Three things. If it matters to you, number one, we should be joyful over a God who saves. If you're taking notes, we should be joyful over a God, I'm sorry, over a God who loves. My bad. Over a God who loves. Jonah chapter 4. Let's look at verse number 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. All right, so what's he angry about? He's angry about the last verse of chapter 3. He's angry that God changed his mind. The people of Nineveh repented of their sin. They asked for forgiveness. They received God's salvation through faith. And God, rather than pouring out his judgment on them, he gives them mercy. And Jonah was just angry. Now, be honest. Have you ever been angry, jealous, frustrated, bitter that something good happened to somebody else, especially if they didn't deserve it. Have you ever thought, man, I can't believe they got it. Man, I can't believe they got that raise. Man, I can't believe they got the family that we've been trying so hard, and their lifestyle is so far from God. And, you, and sometimes we can get bitter and angry and frustrated. Let's be honest. Have you, have you ever felt that? I know I have. I know I have. Let's be honest. I, and I'll be the first one to say. And that sometimes, because this is the title of the series, Jonah and Me. And sometimes there's a little Jonah in me. Maybe not a little. Maybe there's a lot. And I'm sure, I'm sure if we go around this room, that we find Jonah in all of us. Now, Jonah... Man, he was hot because God has shown mercy not just to a sinful city, but to Nineveh. I mean, these people despised the Jewish people. They hated the Jewish people and everything that the Jewish people stood for. And they hated them. And, and Jonah was mad that God has shown them mercy. Jonah was angry because God was just being God. Look at verse number 2. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said 
when I was still at home, I mean, this is a prayer. I mean, Jonah's a little confrontation on this prayer. He's kind of like, God, you know, I told you so. I knew this was going to happen. He said, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I didn't want them to have mercy. I went the other way because I knew you were going to come through for them and show them mercy at the end of the day. I, that's why I tried to skip town. That's why I tried to get away as far as I could. Because I knew that you are a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sinning calamity. And if you want to hear the story of Jonah, it's really all about what you just read in this verse. It's about God, the God of love and compassion. He's patient. He prefers mercy over wrath. He prefers forgiveness over punishment. He, he prefers grace over judgment. Why? Because he is the God that loves everybody, even the despicable Ninevites. Here's what John was saying. Say, God, I can understand how you love me. I'm a Jew. I'm a prophet. I've lived a good life. But how in the world could you love them? We do the same thing. Say, God, I understand why you love me. I'm a Christian. I, I understand why you love me, God. I go to church. I know I, I, I kind of get the extra special blessing of your love because I, I give or I serve. We sometimes get the idea that God really only loves people like us. He only likes our kind of people, like us. You know, the, the people that are in Christ. But we'll find out that Jonah loves everybody. I'm sorry, God loves everybody equally. Those who are in Christ, God also loves those who don't know Christ. God loves everybody. The more you understand the love of God and the more you are filled with the love of God, the more you will love people who are without God. There's joy in a God who saves. You're not comparing yourself to others. You see people that need Jesus. And unfortunately, what Jonah was really showing is that he was farther away from God in some ways than the people in Nineveh. Look at verse number three. He's still praying. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, Jonah's like, man, I, I can't stomach the idea that you love the Ninevites just as much as you love me. How dare you, God? That's, I mean, this is the attitude right here. How dare you, God, to love them too? I mean, we're the ones that are called, we're the ones that are chosen people. How dare you love those that hate us? And look at verse 4. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? 
Jonah, he didn't ask for his life to be taken away when he was in the belly of the whale. I mean, he would have died in the belly of the fish had it not been for God. But what Jonah didn't understand is what many of us sometimes forget, that a prophet is just as much in need of grace as much as a pagan needs grace. We all need God's grace, every one of us. Now, we ought to be joyful that God loved the Muslims just as he loved the Methodists, that God loved the Buddhists just as much as he loved the Baptists, that God loved the pagans just as much as he loved the Pentecostals, he loved those outside the church just as much as he loved those inside the church. And that is why those outside the church should feel most loved by those inside the church. And they will when those inside the church get what really matters to God. What matters is that we see joy over a God who loves how do you know if you care about what matters to God? How do you know? If it matters to you, number two, we should be grateful for a God who gives. We should be grateful. It should be a heart of gratitude. Let's look at Jonah chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. So he did the revival, having a pity party, he leaves outside the gates of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in the trade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. So now we got the pouting prophet. Uh, that's what we call him now, the pouting prophet, Jonah. He, he's outside the city. Why is he out there? He's hoping that the Ninevites would, after a couple of days, backslide. He's hoping that maybe their salvation didn't really take, that maybe they would just, uh, uh, you know, a spur of the moment decision, and then the next day they forgot about it. And he's hoping that maybe, just maybe, if that happens, that God would change his mind and come down and bring wrath on the city. And so he's actually sitting outside of the city wall hoping for God to bring down his judgment. I mean, this is where we're at with the story. He is having a pity party. Now remember, this would be like modern-day Iraq. I've got our, our missionary, he's our church member, he's Irfan, he's over in Iraq right now, actually in Cairo, all right? So he's in the Middle East. In Cairo, the other day, he posted a picture, it's 104 degrees, all right? It can't get up to 120 degrees in the middle of Iraq, okay? And that's where we're at in the story here uh, in Nineveh, all right? And and so it gets really hot, and, and God gives something to Jonah that he doesn't deserve. He gives him a large plant leaf that provides shade and refreshment. And that leaf was a gift of grace, was a gift. Jonah didn't deserve it. All Jonah really deserved was a bad sunburn on his head. That's what he deserved, but God 
gave him a plant. Jonah never even bothered to ask where the plant came from. But we do read in verse number four uh, in, in the passage in verse number six that he was happy. He was excited about the plant. He was extremely happy because of the plant. But Jonah was more grateful for the gift than he was for the giver. God was, Jonah was more grateful for the, the plant than the provider of the plant. Just about that time, Jonah is going to settle down, got the nice trade, he's drinking his lemonade with a little umbrella in the drink. He's relaxing, got his feet up. Just about that time, God pulls the rug out from him. Look at verse number seven. The next day at dawn, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered, it died. When the sun came up, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die to live. So he got this pity party again. He's saying, man, I'd rather just die. This is, this is terrible. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you, didn't, though you didn't tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. If you want to know what a person's really like, ask three questions. What makes them laugh? What makes them angry? What makes them weep? You're going to learn a lot about a person on the way they laugh, on the way they get angry about, the things that they cry about. Jonah was more concerned about a plant than he was about people. Jonah was more concerned about trade than he was about souls. Jonah had more pity and more passion for material things than he did for spiritual things. You and I, we should be grateful for a God who gives us grace, love, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, even when we don't deserve it. We should be thankful. We should be people that are content. Contentment. We ought to be grateful that God used us to give that same grace and mercy and forgiveness to others. That, and, we will, and we will if we understand what really matters. We need to be grateful. Grateful for a God who gives. We've been blessed, haven't we, at late point? We've been blessed. Let me say this. We've been blessed for the last nine and a half years to be in a place where we could serve and worship God. Be able to set up and tear down. We've been blessed to have the equipment. Blessed to have awesome volunteers every week to help set up and tear down. We have been blessed, and I'm grateful because our mindset has always been about this. We do this so that we can reach people. We're all about reaching people. That's why we do this every Sunday. That's why it blows my mind that we have done this for nine and a half years. And we're, left, we're thankful for what God is providing us down the road, the new building. We see an opportunity to expand that mission because it's all about 
people, never about a building, always about reaching people. That's what matters. That's what matters. We should be grateful for a God who gives, grateful for this place. I'm not going to lie. I am not going to lie. I'm going to miss this place. I'm going to miss it. He said, are you for real? Yes. I'm going to miss it. Because we've seen 150 plus baptism in this place. We've seen over 200, 250 people give their life to Jesus Christ in this place. I mean, this was the place where we saw late point become late point. This is my first home. This is where I'm going to miss. Am I looking forward to what's next? Absolutely. But I'm grateful for what God has provided. Number three, how do you know if you care about what matters to God? If it matters to you, we should be mindful of a God who saves. We should be mindful of a God who saves. Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. It's God talking. He said, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Now, you notice that Jonah does not answer the question. And the reason is, he knows the answer. Jonah knows the answer to the question. What God is saying to Jonah is this. Jonah, you are so concerned that the people of Nineveh are not getting what they deserve, but you have forgotten that you also didn't get what you deserved. You need to be mindful of the fact that God gave you too. That you were once lost without Jesus Christ. You were once a hell-bound sinner in need of salvation that only God could give. We need to remember where we come from. And Jonah had forgotten. He had forgotten. Let me tell you the difference, the major difference between the God that you and I serve and every other God that's in this world, here's the difference. Our God saves. Our God saves. It is true that Nineveh did not get what they deserved, but this is the lesson that God wanted to teach Jonah and us. God doesn't want anyone to get what they deserved. He didn't want anyone to get what they deserved. The Bible said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, in the second half of that verse, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but want everyone to come to repentance. That's the God that we serve. Your level of spiritual maturity can be determined by this question. How much of what concerns God concerns me? That's the level of your spiritual maturity. Do you care about the things of God? Do you remember where you've been? And do you hope to see others come to a relationship with Christ? Do you remember? Are you mindful of a God who saves? I'm so excited about, again, our church moving. 
We're moving to a new permanent place. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, and this is a warning for all of us, including me, we can become overly focused about a building that we forget about a God who saves, that we forget it's all about people. We're excited about what God is providing, but let's not lose sight of the fact that we can use that to carry out the mission. The mission is still the same. Reaching people to help them take their next step in Christ. Do you know what concerns God? What concerns, what concerns God is the people of Nineveh? Ninevites. You know that, that the Ninevites, they come into our church doors every Sunday morning. Every day that you step outside your front porch and you lock eyes with somebody, you're looking at somebody from Nineveh, someone who needs Jesus, someone who needs God. And every Sunday, there are people coming in here, people from Nineveh, and they're asking one question. Does anyone in your church care about me? They're just looking for people that cares. And here's the lesson I hope Jonah heard, and here's the lesson I hope you hear today. Jonah, life is not about you. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's not about your anger. It's not about your unforgiveness. But life is about Nineveh. Life is about Reaching people who are far from God. Again, what is Nineveh? It's when you see someone outside these doors that don't know Christ. That's Nineveh. We live in a world today where marriages are falling apart, where kids don't have dads or moms, where homeless don't have food. They don't have shelter. But literally, life is all about us. I mean, we, we're driving in our fancy cars. I mean, life is good. We've got our home. Meanwhile, people are hurting. People are hurting. And we're living in Nineveh. And there are people looking for answers. They're trying to figure it out. Life is not about us. Life should be about Nineveh. Can you guys imagine what would happen as a church? If Lake Point Church came together and said, God, I'm not going to run anymore. In fact, I'm going to head toward Nineveh. I'm going to reach the people in my community. I'm going to reach the people that I know, people I don't know. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm going to do what you've called me to do, and I'm going to Nineveh. I'm going to reach my neighbors for Christ. I'm going to reach my co-workers for Christ. I'm going to let them know about a God who saves because I care. I'm going to paint somebody's house. I'm going to build a relationship with people. I'm going to mow their lawn. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to extend somebody an invitation to a saving knowledge of Christ. I'm in Nineveh. Life is not about me. Life is not about us. It's all about reaching people. Can you imagine the lives that are going to be changed when we have that mindset? That life is not about us. On your handout notes, 
It's one last question. That question is this. Who is your Nineveh? And that's a blank line right there. That's for you to answer. That's for you to think about. Who is in your land of Nineveh that needs Jesus? We need to be mindful of a God who saves. I want to close with a story. Now I think about Jonah, and I think about how self-centered he is. I also think about another person that's the opposite of Jonah. And when you start reading her biography, you see a little bit of Jonah in her life from the beginning. But over time, she became all about her Ninevites. All about her Nineveh. Talk about a missionary named Lottie Moon. Picture of her. Lottie Moon had passed away over 100 years ago. She was a young girl in Virginia, became a believer. And at some point in her life, she felt the calling of God to go to the Chinese people. Never married, single. She wanted to be married, but she was very lonely. In her biography, she said, I pray that no missionary will ever be as lonely as I have been. But she felt God calling her to head toward Nineveh. Her Ninevites were the Chinese people. And in biography, you would see that she just gave undying devotion to the Chinese people. When most missionaries fled China during the Chinese-Japanese War, she stayed. When the U.S. government called all the Americans in China to find safe haven. She said, nothing could make me return home. China's my joy and my delight. China's my home now. I'm here. She struggled for years to get people in China to even listen to her. But a turning point came when one day the pastor of a small Chinese church that she was a part of, that she was involved with, little Chinese pastor was captured and tortured. He rushed to the place where the pastor had been strung up, beaten up, tortured, scalpels hanging. And she ran into that place and she stood in front of the guard that was beating up the pastor. And he looked at that guard and said, Stop! Beat me instead! And the guard Screaming at her, you get away from him, you foreign devil. But she wouldn't. In fact, witnesses said that she stood there with a smile. And that guard with a sword in his hand got so angry at her and didn't know what to do, so he dropped the sword. Walk off. Lottie Moon took down the prisoner, took down that Chinese pastor went to a nearby village, paid for out of her own pocket the well-being of that pastor. After a couple weeks, when the pastor was released from the hospital, and the pastor went back to their village. When they went back to their village, 
something surprising happened. There was a tiny little church that that pastor was a part of, ministering, had, while they were gone, had multiplied in size. They were overwhelmed that the strange little white woman would stand up and give her life for a Chinese man. And it's open the heart to the message about sacrifice of Christ and who he was and that he had given away everything for the salvation of mankind. And that church grew. In 1911, a great famine swept across that portion of China. Again, she would call, hey, you need to come home. It's very dangerous. There's no food. But she refused to leave. During that time, she wrote to American pastors, pleading with them, can't you help your brothers and sisters in China? She literally gave away her portion of food. And Lottie Moon died of starvation. They say that she was 50 pounds when she died. Her whole life speaks the weightiness of our mission. The mission was worth her life. Jesus was, was, Jesus was worth any sacrifice. And for Lottie, Jesus was better than a husband, better than food, better than life. Jesus was worth following to the end of the world. She gets what matters. Who's your Ninevite? Who is your Nineveh? Who is God calling to reach? I pray that we will have a heart to reach people, to be like God does, who gave his only son Jesus for, for the sins of mankind. So Jonah, that's how it ends. Jonah ends with the question. Again, the question is, does Jonah ever get it? I like to think that he does. In fact, some scholars believe that Jonah himself wrote the book, which means he's posing the question, which means he gets it. But it's left as a question for you and me. Do we get it? Do we are we concerned about the things that matters most to God? Are we concerned about people? And that's Jonah, a God who loves, a God who want to provide second chance, but want to use me and you, just like you want to use Jonah, to reach people for him. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the study of Jonah. We thank you for the lessons that we've learned. We're thankful that salvation is of the Lord, it's not of us, but it's all of you. We're thankful that you are a God who who came, sent his only son Jesus for us. We didn't deserve your second chance. None of us do. But because of your great love, you gave us your only son Jesus. So God, I pray today for those who are in Christ, we never forget. We never forget where we've been. We'll never forget about salvation that you've given us. We'll never forget about the 
second chance that you provided. God, I pray that we would have joy in, in who you love, that you love everybody. Regardless of their skin color, regardless of their nationality, regardless of who they are, regardless of their, of their station in life. God, we plead for your love for everybody. God, we thankful that you love the Muslim as much as you love the Methodists and the Buddhists and the Baptists and the Pagans and the Pentecostals. You love all of us equally, those that are outside the church and inside the church. God, I'll help us to think that we're superior than everybody else. God, I pray that we would heartbeat, have a heartbeat for those who are without you. I pray in the days ahead, in the months ahead, as we move to a new location, new building, that we never forget what matters most. And it's about reaching people for you. So God, I pray that we will put someone in our hearts, in our Nineveh, in our world, whoever that might be, God, I pray that we will do whatever it takes to build a relationship, to invite them to church, share your love with them. I pray that we don't become stale in our Christianity, that we don't become us foreign no more in our mentality, but we see a vision for reaching people.